0: Hello and welcome to episode 230 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Dave, here in lovely western suburban Chicago. And with me on the line, I have one voiced partner and one silent partner this week. Let's start with the one with a voice. It's Devin O'Donnell, aka
1: Doomwake. Hey, Devin. I mean, I have a voice. I wouldn't necessarily say it's the voice, but... Uh, yeah, we got uh, we 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 got Stan on here as well as well we're not going to intro well we're not going to have Stan introduce himself but uh, just just know that Stan is here in uh, in spirit he's waving to the camera now
0: <laughs> Stan do you want to croak anything out
1: I can't talk but I can sing. <laughs>
0: It's it's uh, it's an interesting one. So Stan has played some uh, some decks for us, so we're going to keep him on the chat, even though he really can't talk today. But he is here with us uh, in actuality and not just in spirit. Shane is uh, off this week on vacation. He's probably on getting prepared to drive to my house right now for us to hang out for a few days coming up here over the f- July 4th weekend. But on this week's show, uh, we're going to talk more about Lord of the Rings, and especially we're going to talk about that one ring. That one ring, that that one ring that everybody, everybody is just have such an attachment to right now. You know, we have some more experiences uh, playing. Uh, Stan's been playing a bit. I've been playing a bit, but we've played some scams, some four colored money pile, a bunch of other decks that Devin has shoved the one ring into living end, But first let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, new patrons. So we have Krimpin cards as a new patron. So thank you very much Krimpin, for, for joining us. I, I wonder if those are like misprint crimps. Like have you ever got a pack where you open oh, a booster yeah. pack where you have the like, fo- you know what I found in a, in a collection, what, my dad's collection the other day, I have a crimped beta life force do you remember life wow. force
1: the, un- the like weird green uncommon yeah life force is life force is dope i remember that
0: yeah yeah i found that the other day and i was like okay great what do i do with this so now it's just in a box next to my beta counter spells that i'm like i don't know what else to do with this card but i have like
1: a I, th- I think it's like a not revised but whatever the or maybe it is revised i have a revised tsunami that's like crimped at the bottom
0: oh nice That's good. I also have a Homelands carapace that I found that is crimped. And I'm like, there must be someone in this world who wants a Homelands Homeland's card that has a crimp. The collectors. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, thank you for joining Crimping Cards. If you'd like to support The Dive Down directly, you can go to patreon.com slash The Dive Down. Check it out. We got swag. Get into our Discord, all that kind of stuff. You can go to thedivedown.com slash store for apparel. You can use Mana Traders, which we've been using for a long time, and use code The Dive Down 2023 to rent Magic Online cards and get 10% off your first two months. You can also go to Barrister and Man for and use code The Dive Down M23 for great shaving products and soaps and get... off your first order there. And then finally, Energy Plus, if you want to get 8% off for doing nothing, go to nerdragegaming.com and use Dive 8 to get 8% off your order. All right. That was some some housekeeping. (laughs) Definitely was. (laughs) It was a a good segment. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're going to try to keep it under three or four minutes from now on. I promise. Promise. (laughs) Promise, everybody. (laughs) Week one. So let's just dive right into it. All right do it modern continues to be a changed place true or false
1: uh true definitely 100
0: <laughs> How so Devin? you've been grinding a lot more at least and i have i was on vacation last week but i did fit some some play in what's it feel like right now
1: uh I'm, well i mean it's weird because you know you you do play against the the card the one ring a lot but there are still a lot of people that cannot acquire them because they are uh, ridiculously expensive on Magic Online still, and they are impossible to rent from rental services. So you have kind of like the people who have who, people who have them, which is a, a small percentage of the population, it feels like. Assuming that price was not a factor, I would have to imagine that I play against it a lot more.
0: Mm-hmm. How much do you feel like you play against it now?
1: Uh, maybe like one, maybe two times a league, but closer to one. Maybe oh, like interesting.
0: Okay. Oh, interesting. That's a little less than I was thinking. I, I, uh, admittedly, I have not run into it quite yet because apparently nobody, uh, in the friendly league, which is what I was playing this time to kind of knock the, knock the rust off, if you will, um, had any. So it was interesting to play a whole bunch of decks where I kept expecting to, someone to draw it and maybe, maybe they had it, maybe they didn't, but I just didn't get it. So there's obviously on Twitter, and just from content creators like yourself and Ever, like everybody, it, we've seen a lot of tweets about decks with the One Ring in them. You and Shane talked about it a lot last week. Um, you know, there's everything from Four Color Money Pile, again, you know, and it's really worth calling it Money Pile again, given the way that the One Ring is worked out, Rhinos, Ponza, Reanimator featuring the One Ring, Blue Eye Control. We have some Demir Asmo decks working on uh, with the One Ring. I kind of feel like we should start with Four-Color Money Pile. What do you think is that the best deck to talk about first?
1: Yeah, that makes sense, because this deck specifically, um, it it kind of is like the most natural home for the ring, because, you know, you think Four-Color Money Pile, it's a deck that has a lot of, like ways to buy time, because it plays a lot of removal spells, stuff like uh, Leyline Binding, sometimes Prismatic Ending, and then it also has delayed Halfling, so you can go, not only can you ramp into the One Ring, but you can also make it uncounterable off of the Halfling. So, and, you know, all the pitch elementals, and then you have Omnath with extra you know extra mana from Omnath, so you want more stuff to do with your your Omnath mana. But, yeah, I mean, this deck just crushed this week, and there was four challenges, and it won three of them. So. Oh,
0: gosh. I did not even realize that it was yeah. that much. Twelve total copies between all the top 32s won three of the four challenges who are the pilots of those so one of so ever was in the finals of one of the challenges on four color money pile right against somebody else who was also on four color is that correct
1: yep he played against uh magic online user harry 13 lost in the finals uh so harry 13 won one of them mcwinsauce won another one and then the other one was kion 1024 i'm not familiar with that name but yeah, I mean, it, it, it just absolutely, and I was actually, so the, I'm looking at the last challenge, of the Sunday morning challenge, because the numbers that I put in there were not updated with this one. So it looks like in the top 32, there is actually only two copies. So that number goes up to 14. But uh, yeah, it just, you know, winning three of the four challenges is still insane. That is
0: totally insane. And you know what, Devin, I have to say, once you and Spike were talking about playing the one ring with Omnath on the kind of final spoiler episode that we did a few weeks ago, you guys convinced me that we are entering into what I like to call a four-color story arc. Because every once in a while in Modern, thanks to Omnath and other cards, we get in this moment where everybody says four-color is not good anymore, and then suddenly it's just the best deck (laughs) again. Right, And it really feels to me like I just can't get over this feeling, Looking even looking at all the other decks that have the One Ring in them, that we are entering the Uro made four-color the best deck, Oko made four-color the best deck, uh, Yorian made four-color the best deck, and now we have the One Ring making the four-color the best deck again. Hmm. What do you think about that hypothesis?
1: I mean, it sounds to me like the problem the entire time might have been Obnath, huh? I'm just <laughs> you know, throwing that out there. Uh, well, or Ren and Six? <laughs> yeah, or Ren and Six, to be fair. But it's... um. Yeah, it's uh, we're going to throw a little stand mention here. Stan mentions, it's funny how all those cards, except Oko, were card advantage engines. I know, yeah, it's crazy. And just like, I mean, Omnath is, is kind of a card advantage engine, but it's more than that. Because it's card advantage, it's mana, it's life gain, it stabilizes. It just kind of like does everything, and that's kind of like the whole package. And somehow that's the only piece that's basically remained intact throughout this entire time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the deck is... Good. It's so funny. It's a deck that I never want to play. Like every time it's good. Yeah, me too. I I have all these cards and I'm like, "Am I really going to do Omnath? Like I hate Omnath. Am I going to do that?" And just so people know, these decks that we're looking at, really all that's different about them from what you would imagine is they have four Delighted Halfling, like Devin mentioned. They have three or four rings. Like The list that I happen to be looking at right now from Fencing Brick only has three rings. I've seen a lot of them with four rings. Who knows if
1: that's card availability or if it's something else? I would like to mention the McGwinsaw's list is actually a little bit different. It's more blue-white control that has Omnath and Brennan Six. There's no Halflings. But, you know, still, there's only two Omnaths as well. So, two Omnath, Red and Six, and then Counterspell, Force Negation, Verdict, Ring, uh, Prismatic Ending, Leyland Binding, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, way more on the control side for that particular one. McWinn Sauce, of course, longtime well known control player on Magic Online. It generally gravitates towards something that has the best counter magic that is available in it at different points in time. Although I've seen, I've seen him play different things uh, along the years as well, but this deck is just, you know, it's really good. Yeah. (laughs) Being able to play Omnath and then play the one ring off of Omnath. You have the Teferi uh, kind of thing in there as well, where you can pick the one ring back up. If you want to, you have delighted halfling, like Devin said, where you can ramp out your one, your one ring and make it uncounterable, which was kind of like a mind blowing thing when I realized that that was true as well. Um, you know, it's tough. I don't know what to say about this other than that is is just good. Oh this yeah. deck is good.
1: Yeah, I watched them. Um, I watched Aspiring Spike play m- at least a good percentage of the challenge. Um like after I was done streaming because he was still playing because he uh, he made the top 8. I kind of watched most of his top 8 matches and just I don't know. The first two matches he just easily breezed through. Just the, the games were not none of the games were even close and it just uh yeah, Omnath specifically Omnath generating the mana is so powerful with the ring because you're drawing a bunch of extra cards and usually the problem when you draw, you know, 3 or 6 cards, I know problem in quotation marks but <laughs> usually you can't deploy a lot of those resources fast enough but omneth giving you this huge jump in mana alongside the pitch spells just gives you like a lot much more stuff to do with your mana and it's just it's it's just like a perfect storm kind of thing
0: yeah and by the way this deck is i'm looking at oh, i'm looking at mcwinsaw's list right now uh, as you mentioned that's the one that's more blue white that one is 970 tickets on mtgo uh let's see harry 13s is 961 the one spike was playing is 1145 tickets on magic online so money
1: bags over there
0: yeah exactly (laughs) he has the extra special tier for mana traders he just didn't tell us about it true
1: yeah i will say that 961 ticks might sound like a lot but i feel like before like during the oko era of when four color was good i feel like it was in the like 16 1700 ticket range
0: you're right i don't know what happened with that i mean there's there's always weird things about the magic online economy that we don't understand but it was definitely above 1500 tickets during that era as well driven by i think driven by the cost of red and six yeah. at that point in time a couple of good questions so we're gonna take some questions from the chat since stan is is here <laughs> and 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 participating listening so he's in my ear right now asking how good is blood moon against a resolved one ring how good is how good is blood moon against this particular four color deck do you think that that's a is that a path to helping you out against this deck or where do where do we think it falls as like a counterplay against four color
1: if we want to use harry's specific list as uh as a, a baseline i mean the thing about blood moon is you can still cast the one ring under it so even if you get blood moon you can cast the ring by you a little bit of time, and uh, Harry's deck in particular also features Feeble the Mirror Breaker, which is exceptional against an opposing Blood Moon. Um, you know, they can, as long as they fetch out, like, one of their basics early, if you fetch out the basic planes, you can uh, eventually find a Leyline Binding. So, I don't know, I mean, it's not bad, but it's not gonna get you, oh, at Halfling too. another Mana Fixer against Blood Moon, so right. I'm actually like, weirdly enough, I don't even think Blood Moon's that great against this deck. Yeah, yeah. All right. To the point where I actually would not be surprised if the four colored decks started adapting their own blood moons. Remember when they did that with like the sure. abundant? yeah 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 they definitely did that stuff in the past,
0: which always uh, broke my heart even more because, yep. like I said, this is not my vibe usually. Although I do have all the cards in this deck, so I, and I'm always telling myself if this is the best deck, I should just play it. And then I'm like, now, nah. well, I don't have rings and halflings yet, of course, because who does? <laughs> who does? All right, so let's talk about, I guess, last question before we leave this area. We got a Pro Tour coming up. Mm -hmm. Shot in the dark right now. I do. I really want to do a Pro Tour episode like in the next couple of weeks, a Pro Tour preview episode. Of course, we got to do it. But Shot in the dark, how much of the field do you think, a field of Pro Tour players, Devin, do you think brings Four Color Money Pile to play?
1: Well, if you asked me after this weekend, given its dominant results, I'd probably say, like, I, I still feel like the cap is, like, Fifteen percent. I don't think we're going to see any deck above fifteen percent. But yeah, that would probably probably be my number somewhere in the ten to fifteen percent range.
0: Yeah, I mean that's my guess too. Just because. Pro tour players cannot get enough of playing control, like we've talked about many times, and they can't get enough of playing Omnath. Now, these four color decks—they're not really control decks unless you take them that way, like Mick Winsaw did, and made them overtly more control. Which I have to think is actually a play to play against other four color decks would be my guess, right? To go a little bit more aggressive with Counter Magic, stop some of the things that are going on, not just go pure value. Because if you're going up against non—you know, like non-creature decks, how much of the creature removal stuff do you really need? out of your four color your removal your interaction package so then you sway at a different direction to interact with other things i would imagine but i just feel like this is going to rocket there
1: on the counterspell note i would note it's uh you got to be a little bit careful playing against delighted halfling that can be if you can't kill that delighted halfling and you're sitting on you know counterspell activator charm well i guess charm can steal it but you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah absolutely interestingly mcwindsauce does not have any delighted halfling in there well he's the blue really you know yeah he's much more blue white yeah Still Ren in six, of course. <laughs> Gotta play Ren. Gotta play Ren. Okay, so I think that's enough for Four Color for now. Obviously, this deck isn't going anywhere, but the ring is really doing lots of other, other things as well. You played a lot with it this weekend. What, what were some of your favorite... Like, what do you think is the next deck that's interesting to talk about?
1: Uh, well, let's go to, I mean, we are a Rhino Boys podcast. So why don't we give a, why don't we give a shout out to rhinos? I know know Stan will probably love this segment. Um, so as he nods his head, we are, uh, so the, the one ring is a card that I thought was going to help rhinos quite a bit. I actually played a couple of different versions on stream. I tried a four color list and I tried a teamer list. Um, I was a little bit of a bigger fan of the four color list because, being on ley line binding is a good spot right now, given that other people are playing ring. And that's one of the best answers to opposing rings and getting to play to ferry means that you can reset your own ring if it gets a little bit too far. Um, but I was a pretty big fan of this. Like the, the line that I thought of was, you know, turn three cascades bell. You have this kind of overwhelming advantage and a lot of, sp- a lot of times that advantage is good, but your opponent like gets that one turn to do their thing. And, Um, like you kind of have to attack and you get into this racing situation and playing the ring after as a follow-up to a cascade spell is not only like you're guaranteed to live, you can't die that turn. And even if your first wave gets dealt with, you have an overwhelming card advantage to find that second wave as well. Right. So I was a really, really big fan of it in uh, specifically in the Rando's deck.
0: And you, I, I mean, this is a question we'll come back to a little bit later, but it is Leyline
1: Binding. Basically, the best card against the One Ring in yes. Modern right now. Well, it, I, yes, because it's instant speed. So a lot of times, like if they if your opponent has Ring and they like cast Ring with some mana open, like in the in the Omnath case, you want to be able to binding it in response. So for those of you who don't know, uh, the Ring specifically says put a counter on it, then draw cards equal to the number of counters on it. If you remove the ring in response to the trigger, it never actually gets the counter. So they don't even get the first card out of it. That's that's the important part. But you have to be a little careful because a lot of, like specifically the four-color decks, they're playing you and that can kind of be a liability. Although the ring, when it enters the battlefield, if it wasn't cast, you don't get that protection, uh, that protection element. So if you you a binding that has a ring on it, they don't get protection for that one turn as well.
0: Wow. Lots to unpack there. But that's, yeah, it it is interesting. Like I haven't, I I forgot about the, if you cast it part. So you cannot reanimate the ring to get, to recur the trigger. Right. Yeah. And of course, since the ring is indestructible, Leyline exile effects are the big thing. And Leyline is just the best, most utility kind of exile card that we have in modern right now, I would say for all kinds of different things. And yeah, that, that trick about the, uh, the counter is super, super good to know. Okay, so if if that's the case, if we're on four-color rhinos because of this, how are your your pitch kind of cards like? Can you still use your furies and your force negations and stuff effectively with f- four of a non-colored spell, or how how did that feel?
1: So if we look at the, the specific list that I played, the numbers here we've we're gone down a fury at least the fourth one's in the sideboard. But as far as red count is concerned, we have four eight. Uh, we're a little low on red. It's only 13 main deck. We have the four, yeah, 13 main deck on red, and then uh, as far as green post board, like, so usually, let's say you're only going to bring in four, either Force or Endurance, so you're going to add four. That would be four, eight, 16 green, which is a good number. You want to get to about 15 or 16. So, I will say, you know, you're a little low on red because the card that I'm cutting for one ring was dead gone, um, which, you know, might not be the best cut because it makes you a little weaker to Ragavan, but yeah, I mean it is it is a little bit tough on the Fury numbers, but honestly, like if we look at how the metagame is shaping up, it almost feels like Fury might just be more of like a a two of effect, or maybe even closer to a sideboard card. Uh, yeah. Given that it's like it's not that great against four color, you know.
0: Right. Well, you can't kill a ton of stuff with with <laughs> with it exactly. And uh, I will tell you, as someone who who played four of Fury in the deck that I was that I was playing this weekend, didn't get to use it a lot. Doesn't have, I, I played against Tron three times. You don't get to Fury against Tron. You do get to kill them in, with in Scam. We'll get to that later. But um, yeah,
1: Stan's yeah. yelling at me, telling me to get the Furies out of my deck.
0: Stan, that <laughs> seems like a mistake. I got to tell you. I know you don't like four color rhinos
1: as much as you like Teemer, but. I will say the main reason that I played Teferi was because Living End was literally everywhere, and I wanted to—that's another plus side, is because normally Rhinos is very bad against Living End, but getting to play Teferi in that matchup is kind of huge.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. How about a couple, couple of other things? So one is, I noticed you have two copies of Bone Crusher Giant in your deck— People have been speculating about that as a good answer to the ring as well, especially the protection, obviously the protection effect. Like it takes away the tempo that the ring gains, gains you by time walking essentially. Was that good? Was
1: that worth it? Do you think that's a viable thing for people to do as a counterplay to the ring? Or what do you think? I'll be honest. If you're playing like, if you're playing rhinos right now, traditional team of rhinos, you should probably play four bone crushers. Like the ring is, is essentially everywhere. And the sick part about bone crusher is like, they don't like they might not know that you have bone crusher so they're just going to tap out for the ring like even if you cascade spell they're just going to be like haha you can't kill me i'm going to tap out for this ring and you're just going to be like okay uh bone crusher myself attack you for lethal like you know what i mean and they can't really play around it because like it's i I think bone crusher is sick right now and that's that's the exact reason that i played it
0: yeah And and it came through for you yeah yeah yeah
1: it happened a couple times
0: interesting okay yeah, I mean it's a it's a card that's always floating on the edge of viability in these ca- in rhinos, right? And so there's a real reason to have it right now and that that makes sense to me. Finally, I guess sequences with the ring. When you actually get the ring out, it's all about drawing into additional cascades. Is that right? Like you're kind of like that's that's where you're going. It's either it's not as much interaction, it's more like setting yourself up for future cascade plays. Do you,
1: are you bummed if you draw an extra footfalls in this scenario or no? I mean, kind of, because you don't really have a good way to utilize it past turn four, given that, you know, suspending a footfalls on, on turn five or turn six is not really ever going to be that relevant. Um, but I will say in that specific instance in post-board games, when you're boarding into Endurances and, uh, and Force Figures, it's a lot easier to use those drawn footfalls. So it is entirely possible that maybe like, because of because you're more likely to draw into those footfalls if you want to get use out of them it might be better if you're playing teamer to some main deck something like endurance so you can actually utilize that uh, that that footfalls that you draw later on
0: makes sense let's talk about force of vigor for one second cuz this is a, i've been thinking about a lot about counterplay to the ring force of vigor is an awesome card it does nothing against the ring right so I noticed that in your list, you still had four Force of Vigor in your sideboard. W- what are you worried about in the meta game for those right now? Obviously, ha- you know, Hammer, if you play against it, is still, like, really good Force of Vigor. Obviously, so is Titan, and there's some Titan out there. But, like, what what's your mindset there for continuing to carry four forces?
1: Uh, I mean... It might just be because I I didn't really update my sideboard, but yeah, it's mostly there for hammer time. You c- maybe could bring in it in against creativity to be able to like blow up treasure tokens, although that's not really that great. Um but the other thing is there's just a lot of ley line bindings going around, and I wanted to be able to both protect like if I if I give if I get into a fight where like I binding their ring and they binding my binding. I want to be able to like binding their binding to get back my binding and then binding their ring and and stuff like that. I know we're kind of going down a a rabbit hole here, but um, that's really what it's there for Uh, mostly amulet and hammer time, but, Yeah, those matchups are, like, not that bad as is, so maybe it's better just uh, to play something else. I I went looking deep down the rabbit hole to try and find something that was, like, something that you wouldn't cascade into that exiled the ring. Uh, And I came up with Barrier Breach, which I'm going to pull up right now. Barrier Breach. It's from Ikoria. Yep, it's uh, two... Well, let me read it. Two and a green instant exile up to. Oh no, that's only enchantments. Never mind. Okay, forget it. Never mind. That Pretend. one doesn't work. Nope, doesn't work. All right. Don't but you yeah, kind of feel like time. there's a
0: card out there though? Don't you feel like there's a card out there that that everybody's like we, we haven't found yet that is something like that that's like exile? Like I know that there's the one that was like made to get rid of gods from from like uh, born of the gods that's like shuffle a legendary thing back into your deck. And I'm like, I don't know. There's got to be something else.
1: So that one's that two mana. Notice.
0: One, right, thing, unfortunately.
1: one thing that I did find, if you want, I mean, it, if you're getting desperate, uh, fade into antiquity, two and a green sorcery, exile target artifact or enchantment, but it's a sorcery. There you go. So does that do nothing else? No, that's it. That's, that's a three <laughs> that's mana that's all a card. You get. That's all you get. You don't even
0: get another mode. Oh, boy. No. Okay. Okay.
1: I'm sure there's something better. There's got to be.
0: I mean, a ley line binding is plenty good, of course, but anyway, all right. So some other decks that you had fun with the one that, that there's two, there's a, there's a bunch that drew my attention actually, but I want to start with the one because, you know, if we were something before, or at least if Stan was something before he was a Rhino boy. And since we're doing this podcast with an audience of one right now, with Stan producer, Stan listening to us right now, trying to help us move along. You got a trophy with Ponza featuring the one ring.
1: I did. Yeah. Ponza. Pa- Ponza. Well, so um, I'm not... How do I see What's the technicality with like, what are we calling it? Because people in the in the Twitter comments said that I can't call it Ponza because there's no more Stone Rain. So I don't know. Yeah. Like, we need an expert on this. Red,
0: green, mid-range is what we started calling it at different points right. in time on, on the show anyway. Okay. Um, this was a list that you got from... Is his name Chris Giglio? Is yep. that the the player? Chris Giglio, who I've used... Uh, his prowess lists several times in the past as well, who is kind of like a prowess breach uh, fan for a while there. What attracted you to this list? Or like, did you just feel like, hey, I'm just going to try it because this is a place I didn't expect Ring to show
1: up? Well, one thing in particular, uh, uh, the Ring is is certainly powerful. The faster you can get it down, that's why we see the Delighted Halflings and some other decks Mm -hmm. that are adopting Mana Dorks. To my knowledge, this is the only deck that can cast it on turn two. Because yep. this is the only deck that can produce four mana on turn two with the combination of turn one, Arboralf, turn two, sprawl. Brawl. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's that's really where the idea, that's where it came from. That's where the, the drive to play this came from is like the fact that you can cast it on turn two. I will say I did that once in the league and it was completely disgusting. I uh, won that <laughs> game, you know, very easily in a, in a landslide. But this, so the cool thing about this list in particular is we're playing four Fury and four Main Deck Endurance, and I think one thing that I think you really want to get down with the ring is playing a bunch of, like, free spells, like all the pitch cards, because the more that you can utilize the cards that you're drawing in the same turn, like the turn that you tap out or a turn that you later down the road where you tap out the more you can utilize that stuff is good um you know we talked about like blood moon's kind of ineffectiveness against four color but when you cast it on turn two it's a lot more effective
0: yeah it's also still good against plenty of other decks that are that are out there especially deck you know we were expecting tron to be around a lot with the ring and like blood moon is still pretty good against tron at least it was in the leagues that i played that it really helped me and um But that's another thing about this deck, right, is that this deck is really good at casting three drops and four drops on turn two. And so that totally makes sense. I also love the idea that we want to maximize the card advantage but the ring doesn't come with mana advantage necessarily. So we need so using a lot of pitch cards makes a ton of sense here.
1: Yeah, and then just, you know, like this deck can kind of, it kind of has some really good grinding potential, like between the four season pyromancer two fables. Uh, you have a lot of stuff there. You have like the explosive starts. Again, we talked about mana acceleration into blood moon. And yeah, it's just kind of like, it's pretty clean deck list, basically all four of us with the exception of the fables and the the one magus of the moon. But I don't know, it just felt, really good it's hard to say exactly why but it just felt really good
0: and would you come back to this one do you think or do you think like do you think it's a possible contender
1: uh yeah I mean if we want to do like a, a sleeve believe heave I would I would definitely do a, a, a sleeve on this one I, w- I would throw it back in the queue a little bit there you go how about on rhinos is
0: rhinos a belief rhinos with ring uh
1: rhinos is a belief mostly because I want to I need to do a little bit more experimenting on the numbers uh and mostly because you know Stan's yelling at me to cut to fairies from my deck and I want to try it without Teferi's. fairies
0: yeah Devin I know you have listened to our show in the past we're going to do a rating for four color while we're here I, and I'm going to give it a rating I'm going to assume that you're good with me but do you know when we give things a double-sleeve rating?
1: What's the double-sleeve?
0: So double-sleeve is, because double-sleeving your card sucks, it's the worst thing in the okay. world. So decks that are so good, they're bad. That is uh, so good, they're unpleasant, oh, I guess we should say. okay. That right, is what I think, that's what four-color is, right? Is that a double-sleeve?
1: <laughs> that would be a triple-sleeve for me.
0: Triple-sleeve. Oh, we're, we're doing full-on Daniel Wong taking turns. Here, we're triple-sleeving our cards. yeah. Okay.
1: I'll never play that deck. Like you said, I understand that it's like, it probably is one of, one of if not the best decks right now, but I just, I can't bring myself to play that deck. I don't know what it is about it. It's weird.
0: Stan used to always try to play, or never wanted to play Yorian, or never want to play Four-Color when we had Yorian because it was too grindy, right, Stan? Like, you're always like, oh, I don't want to take forever to do this. And then Yorian got banned and you were like, I'm going to try Four-Color for a little bit. And it was still okay, but it was less, like, less annoying to play, right? And now we're back to where it's very annoying to play. Stan is just giving a big (laughs) thumbs down right now. (laughs) Producer Stan, thumbs down. Okay. So this is kind of like, we've kind of moved from the ring, not ring value decks. Like now we're moving out into the more fringe kind of area of ring decks that we've seen and that you've played with over the last week. So there's two on here that are really interesting to me. Maybe we'll save the pure control one for the end. But there's this reanimator Deck that you have, and an, a Demir Asmo deck that you've been playing with. I'd love to hear okay. a bit about those ones because they're definitely a different take on the what we use the ring for.
1: Okay. Let's do uh, let's do reanimator first. Let's let's pop up this reanimator deck. Um, I so so far I've played three total leagues with this deck combination of uh, thirteen and two. But there's a slightly different change. So the first league, uh, trophied with Fable the Mirror Breaker, and then I decided to cut the Fables and kind of try it as more of like an Esper that just has. Uh, I moved the Leyland Bindings to the main deck as well, and that felt pretty good. But the, the kind of the idea here is you have uh, Gorio's Vengeance with Atraxa. That's your like your main target to get back with Gorio's Vengeance. Uh, you have Faithful Mending to discard Atraxa from your hand to the graveyard. And then you also have this little card called Falaji Archaeologist, which I'm sure a lot of people don't exactly know what it does. But let me get you the exact text. I actually have to pull it up and gather it because I kind of forget what it does. Well, I know what it does, but I forget the exact text on it. So let's... Uh Let's pull this up real quick. Falaji Archaeologist. So it is a one and a blue for a 1-3 human scout when it ETBs mill three, and then you may put a non-creature, non-land card from among the cards milled this way into your hand. If you don't, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So the really cool thing about Falaji is it can help dump your Atraxes into the graveyard. It helps find the one ring because it says non-creature, non-land card, so you can actually you know find your one rings or find your Gorio's Vengeances, and it also blocks Rygaban. And on top of all of that, it gives you something to do with your Ephemerates when you can't find a Solitude or a Grief because you can, like, normally that spot is, like, Tainted Indulgence and Sauron's Ransom and stuff like that, but none of those work well with Ephemerate. Um, So I just, like, I have been so happy playing this deck. It's been so awesome.
0: I mean, it's a fascinating list. There, There's some other cards in here that we, we didn't mention yet, of course. There's four Solitude and two Grief in this list, plus the three Ephemerate that you kind of hinted towards a moment ago. So you get to do your kind of black-white scam type of stuff if you want to occasionally. Like you said, you pull that back with Falaji Archaeologist. It has a full grip of Atraxa, which is always like, okay, we are, re- we are definitely casting Atraxa. Everybody. Atraxa does not get the one ring though. Is that right? Does it? Uh, or, no, it's, or, it's or artifact. it does. Yeah. Yeah, okay.
1: You can get artifacts. Uh,
0: yeah, Atraxa is different card types. It's not, um, it's not, it's got nothing to do with color like Niv. That's right. And then tell me about Kroxa and Kuranos.
1: <laughs> okay, this was, so the list that I caught, this was actually a list from uh, play, MTG Pro player Kelvin Chu, who won, I believe it was like a local event or something that's like a 1K. And he posted this list, so the, I kind of copied the Kroxa and Kunros from it. But the cool thing that it does is in the ga- in games that kind of go super long, where you have a really stocked graveyard from stuff like Faithful Mending and Falaji Archaeologist. The Kroxa and Kunros. So let's let's pull it up for uh, for the listeners. Kroxa and I, like I know what the card does, but I also like to just kind of read it verbatim. So it's I'll read, it, uh, six- I'll read this one. Oh, you, you got, it? got it. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Devin. All right, so 6-6, six, six, Vigilance Menace Lifelink for 3, a red, white, black. And when it enters the battlefield or attacks, you can exile 5 cards from your graveyard. When you do, return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. So the really sick thing is you can set up a spot where you go, like, Goryeo's... Yeah, <laughs> Stan's got one right there. Uh, <laughs> you can go Goryeo's Vengeance Croxa. Uh, which gives it haste, right? So you can go exile five, get back a solitude, and then you get to attack with the Kroxa, and then do another trigger. So it's particularly powerful with Gorios because of the the haste aspect,
0: right? So you get to bring back a couple of
1: a couple of things out of your graveyard to recur them. Got it. Could even bring back two Atraxas. <laughs> in case you, <laughs> you don't have enough everything. cards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, it's so funny because the the 50 that I that I got with this deck I did upload to YouTube and if if you only have time to watch one single match of Magic today, every everybody listening to this podcast should go watch that game because it was the most ridiculous game. It was like a 45 minute game one which you might not have enough time to watch one game at that point, but it was a 45 minute game one against Living End where I think I won with like one card in my deck because I literally almost deck myself going too deep with the ring. It was wow. God, It was a wild game.
0: Against living end, that must have been, a, that's a new world for a living end player though, right? To have yeah. to play a 45 minute long game. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, it's a, it's a real complicated deck, but I, the games don't usually go that long with it. Um, how does the ring fit into this one? Like, this is just, like, awesome value engine. It comes up with Traxa Falaji Archaeologist helps you do it. Can you Gore use Vengeance a ring? You can,
1: right? (laughs) No, I wish you could. No? Is it just a creature? Yeah, Yeah. just creatures. So it kind of looks like a weird ring deck because it doesn't have a ton of, like... It doesn't have a ton of interaction. It really only has Prismatic Ending, which, you know, again, I later swap with Binding. And then you have Solitudes as well. Um, But specifically, why I think this is a good ring deck is you get to like, you're, you're, you're between the solitudes and stuff like the solitude, effembrite grief. Like you can, you can kind of run your opponent out of stuff a little bit. And because you're playing more pitch spells, like again, you have solitude and grief. I actually added a third grief in the, in the, the second list that I played. Um, you have those pitch bells as we talked about earlier, which is a good thing to pair with the ring, because the you want to be able to utilize all of the cards that you're getting off of it. And also, the one ring is just kind of like a weird discard outlet where you get so many cards in your hand that you just go to discard and you just you just discard a traxa. So. Let me
0: ask you a question, because like I mentioned, I haven't I haven't played gone to play with the one ring yet. How I mean, are you drawing four? off of the ring sometimes? Are you drawing five off of the ring sometimes? Like how far are you pushing it or how far does it get pushed before the game gets closed?
1: You just keep going, baby. (laughs) You just just keep going. The only thing that is preventing me from drawing cards is if I'm going to deck. Right. otherwise i'm just 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 keep it coming keep it coming but how far have you got i guess i well, how many how far have you gotten do you remember um well i th- i think i've gotten up to six before usually usually once you get to like three or four that's just enough like card advantage to bury your opponent just right. straight up
0: yeah six <laughs> yeah draw six cards at the ring stand and then reset the
1: and then reset it so you yeah. don't die to it
0: exactly okay interesting
1: I will say before before we continue, I've definitely played games where uh, I've gone a little too deep. We'll just say that
0: where you've killed yourself or and almost decked yourself, as you said too. Yeah,
1: yeah, I've I've uh, I've lost. Well, I've killed myself to like not decking yet, but I've killed myself to damage in the ring at least like three or four times. Whoops! I got tempted. (laughs) I don't know what to say.
0: (laughs) Tempted by the fruit of the one ring. Yeah, exactly. You like squeeze, Devin? You like eighties music, right?
1: Uh. No comment. <laughs> I,
0: I saw your I saw your uh, Twitter post about your search on I was going to put my Spotify search. You were like oh, here's my search. Okay. And then okay. I was like I'm too embarrassed about my Spotify search to post it on Devin's like cool looking cool looking metal music which I what I assume is a lot of metal music. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah mine was like Dua Lipa and Sleep Token and oh, old country no. and I was like okay. I, I don't th- you know dad has left the chat was kind of I mean, how I, I like felt Sleep about token. it. I would love to talk about sleep tokens. I I I don't know where I am on that. Maybe we'll just tack this at the end. I mostly am like, wow, this is very unexpected music.
1: Yeah, it's different for sure.
0: Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right, Devin, this other list that you have here, Demir Asmo with Tor. So you have been wanting to play food decks a lot. You guys had mentioned it. Obviously, those are more, you know, looking at them with Samwise. Now we've got one that's, you know, this isn't really a food. Food deck right it's more of a time save plus emery kind of list but um i'll read off some of the cards that are in this for people to see it so you've got your kind of like um your underworld cookbook oval chase daredevil asmo kind of engine that's in here for one thing you've got ledger shredder and emery as well as you know ledger shredder lets you do a discard outlet emery lets you recur whatever artifacts you'd like to, notably the One Ring. Um, you've got a couple on Earth to help bring back some of the creatures that are in this deck. You've got a couple spell pierce just for, for goodness. You have Ur-Urza, an Urza Saga package, so you have an Aether spell Bomb, a Shadow Spear, a Spring Leaf Drum to be able to do that kind of stuff. Two Street Wraith. Uh, you got four baubles, of course, uh, and then you've got four of the One Ring. And so this looks a little bit like a Time Sieve combo deck, but maybe it's not fully a combo, right? That you, how you would expect it to work at
1: least. Yeah. So it's weird because the versions before, like the versions of the Time Sieve food decks used to play Academy Manufacturer, but I didn't really know, like when I was building this deck, I didn't know what else to cut for the one ring. So that was kind of the card that got the, tr- they got on the chopping block. Um, I've played two leagues with this so far now. I don't know if it was maybe, you know, small enough sample size, but I haven't really found myself like necessarily needing the manufacturers because the thing about the one ring is it draws you so many cards that as long as you have like a time sieve and the one ring, you can find enough, like maybe you have one or two cookbooks that can provide two of the artifacts that you, two of the five that you need for time sieve and the ring can kind of just find you some other random artifacts, like throwing throw in a bobble here, maybe a drum here, a saga token here, and... You can take like one turn and then once you get that first turn with the ring, then you get another like three or four cards off of it and that should be able to just snowball. Eventually, the setup that you're looking for is get all four cookbooks into play with a daredevil. So that's generating four food tokens per turn and then you pair that with either an emery or just like some random other stuff and then you just take all the turns basically.
0: Wow. I love that the sentence that just left your your, uh, mouth was get all four cookbooks into play. Yeah, just we'll get just all four of them.
1: Honestly, not that hard. You have four sagas, four cookbooks. The ring draws you—you know—a bazillion cards. Yeah. And the other cool thing about this deck that I kind of forgot because I haven't played this deck in so long is Shredder is a discard outlet for Asmo. That's a cool thing. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so you've
1: played two leagues with this so far. How'd it go? Eight and two. Eight and two. Two, oh, so two four ones. not too bad. That's that's good. I've been thinking about so one cool one thing that somebody had mentioned in the uh, in the Twitter replies is you can be a Gigantha deck if you just cut the two straight wraiths. So I'm thinking about going uh, minus two straight wraith for two copies of Manufacturer to cyborg the Giganta. Um, but I will be this one I w- will be playing a little bit more with on stream to get a to kind of get a better feel for it. But initial impressions have been good so far. Oh, also one more thing I want to mention. Um, which this this might hurt your ears so you might want to be you might want to plug your ears for this one but Emery plus two the one rings is basically in an, uh, an infinite loop because you just you you get to recast them over and over again you all oh, you get the protection trigger every single turn
0: yeah that is That's gross. brutal. I yeah. did that
1: against I did that against my hammer opponent and uh, they they were not happy. <laughs>
0: Did they tell you in the chat they weren't happy?
1: Well, or? I mean, I could kind of get it, but could, like they just can't ever attack, right? And they don't really have yeah. removal for Emery. So it's like, how do they right. interact with that?
0: Yeah, not, not in game one, for sure. I mean, you might have the people who are playing Solitude or uh, that are playing the uh, you know, Path to Exile randomly, but they definitely aren't uh, going to have a lot of removal for Emery. That's for sure. And they probably might even side it out against you <laughs> because they're like, well, I don't need this now. So, so okay, so this deck... It's interesting. So so now we have this sort of like constellation of ring decks that you have played, right? There's sort of like the simple decks at the end where it's like, we're going to put it into Ponza and it's just going to be a great value engine. And that's what it is. Then we're going to, in four color, it's like, it's going to be the most incredible value engine ever already in a deck that's filled with value engines. And we're going to take a special advantage of it in a different way. Now we're tipping our toes into like combo versions of the deck, whether that's reanimator where the ring is just helping you drive that. I guess in this one, it's similar to the ring is something that you're pulling up. You You can do a soft lock with it, but it's really, your combo is to take all the turns with Time Sieve more than it is to just kind of kill somebody with the ring somehow. So this emerging metagame that we have right here, like, do you think we're, when do you think we're going to enter the phase of like ring decks being metagamed against ring decks? Is that happening already? Is it happening soon? Like, what do you think about that?
1: Hmm. It's really tough. To like think about the metagame against each other. I I mean, I guess really the only instance of that really happening is um, like if you look at the four color decks. Like this is kind of a great example where you look at the two from the final of the Saturday challenge, the one that Spike lost in the final. So if you look at Harry's deck list, you see uh, there's. I guess they were both playing Leyline Binding. My apologies. I don't know why I thought that Harry was not playing Binding, but I guess like that maybe is something like the four color decks playing Leyline Binding. Because mm-hmm. like early on, like the first, I think the first week of challenges, there wasn't as much four color, but as the meta game kind of adapted and there was a lot more people playing with the one ring, you're going to see a lot more ley line bindings. And I think maybe that's like, uh, maybe that's like the, uh, the change
0: the big indicator. Yeah. What do you think about combo decks playing ring versus like mid range decks? playing the ring right like it, that traditionally a mid-range matchup versus a combo deck does depend a lot on the tools that the mid-range deck has like available to it to disrupt the combos but um generally i think that's kind of like well if you're a mid-range deck and i combo you with something that's really effective against creatures you're not you can't kill me right like so are we entering yeah. that kind of phase or
1: well it's weird because if, if you kind of think about it from like a normal perspective, normal mid-range versus combo, you would kind of assume that the combo deck is slightly favored in, in right. that heads-up matchup, but if both players have the ring, I actually kind of would rather be on the the, the mid-range side of things, because in a ring versus ring fight, the, the four-color or the mid-range deck's rings are going to be a lot better than the combo deck's rings, because that protection is way more relevant when you're not dying to the, the combo turn,
0: Right. if yeah. that makes sense. That totally makes sense, and you have protection from everything, so there aren't too many things that they can target that a combo deck can target you with. Although, notably, you know Cauldron Familiar, which we'll talk about maybe in a little bit, is one combo that certainly gets around the, the trigger from the ring.
1: That's his Oracle um, too. That one you the get. That's his Oracle. To be to, yeah, that's his Oracle.
0: Yep, good point. Do you want to talk about the before we leave this ring deck section? We have this blue-white control list that is from Anz, Anzid, top aided? The six thirty and seven one with uh, blue white control with ring, I mean this is kind of similar to everything else. It's just the most controlling version of it. So this list is subtlety, solitude, Narset Parter of Veils, which is which I just, which helps you <laughs> help you know it's good against your opponent's rings, uh, time traveler, time traveler. I mean. Prismatic Traveling. Ending, Spell, Time Traveler, Reprieve, Cosmic Rebirth, which is always like, okay, we're bringing Ring back and we're bringing other things back, Force Negation, Supreme Verdict, and Four Rings, Leyline Binding, Shark Typhoon. I mean, this is a blue-white control list with the One Ring just jammed in here, essentially. How do you think, you know, do you think that this is, I mean, this is a staple probably going forward with the One Ring, but like, where does this fit in the whole story that we've been talking about so far? Um
1: it's it's weird, we kind of talked about it a, a little bit earlier, I would like, if, if you expect a lot of the four color deck, I don't want to be the player casting counterspell against uh, Delighted Halfling, that seems like a, a kind of a, a really bad place to be so I think that Control is maybe a little bit better against a lot of uh, some of the other decks but specifically the setup of like Halfling to Fairy and Ring is kind of a lot for Control to slug through, even with the four Leyland Binding, so I would caution a little bit about playing, about, you know, busting out the counter spells now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Or have
1: like a, you know, maybe you have to go up to four prismatic endings and have more answers to Halfling because of that.
0: hmm. Totally makes sense. But yeah, sense. control's
1: good. Control's good. It's a good deck. Yeah. I would never play S- it.
0: <laughs> Devin, I would never play four color. I would never play control, but everything else is on the table. All right. So. Leaving this section on the ring, and I know that we spent another hour already talking about the one ring. I mean, but it's been a huge card for modern, obviously. It's a much bigger value engine than I think anybody, a much more usable and pervasive value engine. Than I think people were really prepared for it to be. Going back to the discussion I, I kind of brought up at the beginning, we were talking about four color and entering this four color arc. You know, have, all, those are all tied together with having like a new boogeyman in modern, essentially. This happens sometimes in modern, right? It, like I said, it happened with Uro. It happened with Oko. It's happening with the Ring. It happened with Yorian at certain points in time. There's other cards I'm sure that that I love to play that other people hate that I'm sure that they would throw into this same bucket. But it just got me thinking about counterplay, like talking about counter counterplay to a, a single card or okay. a card like this. And so I was just trying to think about what type of counterplay is the most effective to the one ring? Just to like draw a, uh, a final point to this. So when I think about counterplay, I kind of think there's four moments, right? One is you stop the card from getting into play. Two is you destroy it when it gets into play. Three is you punish your opponent for the fact that it is in play. And four is play a deck that takes advantage of the conditions of the metagame caused by its existence popularity. That's a long point. But what that is, is just sort of like deck selection, right? These are... I mean, Do you think that's broadly true? Like if we think about playing against a, a single card or against somebody's plan, these are really the four options that a player has, right?
1: Yeah, no, that that definitely makes a lot of sense. I mean, as you know, if if we want to go down the list, as far as, you know, we'll go to the first point, stopping it from getting into getting into play. Uh, I mean, I guess the most you know broad answer would be Counterspell, which right. to be fair, again, you have to be a little bit careful of specifically that point, as we talked about, again, because of Halfling. Um, you know, it's fine against the the, four co- the non-four-color versions that aren't playing Halfling, but got to be a yeah. little bit careful about, about that one.
0: Yeah, the other card I was thinking about with there, honestly, because I've been playing Scam, is Thoughtseize, Okay, right? is yep. like going with Thoughtseize there, which I'm not sure is super, um, it's not super uh, effective in this metagame either, because if your opponent's main thing is a card drawing engine, like taking away their one copy of it, it's good, but... What happens when they draw the other one? (laughs) They're likely set up to draw the other one. Exactly. And so it's kind of like, so for me, I think that if we think about the four categories I laid out and you just, that's a great summation of like, this is what's going on with stopping it from getting into play right now against the ring. I would almost take that off the list of like effective paths to metagame against the ring. You're not probably not
1: going to do well with decks that are trying to keep it from getting into play. Do you think that's true? I, I would agree with it. Maybe maybe the exception, I guess, I, I was going to say the exception of blue eye control, but they have a lot more of stuff on the list specifically. So maybe that's like a, a different example because, yes, they have a lot of one, but they also have a lot of two and they also have a lot of, you know what I mean? So on and so forth.
0: Yeah. So the second category here then is destroy it once it gets into play. You know, when I think about this, you know, obviously the best spot removal that we talked about for it right now is, is ley line binding. Yep. Right. (laughs) Maybe awkwardly followed by prismatic ending, which is like a lot of the decks that are playing prismatic can get to four, but they don't want to. No, I mean you're probably and it's probably way too late if you do get that. But then there's other cards that work as well. So if you think about the saga package, you know the saga package carries several tools that are possible to to get rid of a ring with. One is Haywire Might. The other one is is you can be super awkward and get shadow spear and into beseju which is expensive but it makes it possible for a deck like that right oh, look at the text on shadow spear i thought it only stopped hexproof does it stop indestructible too it stops indestruct. yeah let me oh, check really
1: it's been a while since i've used that ability because i, I remember i used to use that against boggles specifically where i would just go shadow spear and then uh, yeah and then fatal push your
0: opponent's control lose hexproof and indestructible until end of turn
1: all right. There you go. I actually didn't even think about that. <laughs> but
0: it's not the most effective use right. of mana, but it does give decks that play those cards and out, right? Now, you know, who's got Saga and, Bos- <laughs> and Voseju? Green, white, hammer, I guess. I don't know. Uh, what's the other one? Um, Hardened Scales. There, oh, yeah, yeah. That has it too. But I'm just saying, like, that's the weird thing is that's sort of the next. Best thing to leyline binding, I think, honestly, is doing stuff like Haywire Might and Shadow Spear. Da, 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 da. Do you think that's true? Like, what other options are around that we even consider as spot removal?
1: Those, I mean, those were the two that I was going to mention the most is Leyline Binding and Haywire Might. Because of its indestructibility, there's really not a ton else. I mean, uh, I guess you could go towards something people have been suggesting, Revoke Existence and Hammer, but like, the problem with that is it's sorcery speed, so you can't blow it up instant speed. I mean, I guess you could go for March of Otherworldly Light, but that's, you know, a five-mana play or you're pitching multiple cards to cast it. There's 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 really not a ton here that actually gets it off the battlefield.
0: Well, and there's the new card that's in, uh, in oh, Lord of the, the Rings, fire. Cast yep. Into the Fire. But, like, as much as we talked about that card being an option in Modern, it's... it's a sorcery, right? No, it's an instant. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's an that instant. one's actually
1: good. that one's actually pretty good because it's an instant. Okay. And good, uh, you know, against stuff like Yawgmoth, you can if you can live the dream and pick off two big noble hierarchs or whatever, then you probably won the lottery. But yeah, that one's uh, if you're playing red, that's that's probably your your best bet. If you're playing red and not green or white, like if you're not a binding shell or you're not a saga shell, then that might be your best answer.
0: Yeah, and the other thing about permanents like this that you generally would do, like thinking about other ways to interact with indestructible permanents, the other one is bounce, right? Yeah. And like, bounces, not... <laughs> Bouncing the
1: ring is... Uh, you don't want to do that. You don't yeah. want to do
0: that. Yeah, and so it's not like you can do a... Um, you can't do, like, your Brazen Bar or, or something and get some tempo off of that. That doesn't help. That just helps your opponent. So I still feel like when this all comes down to it, we're going to say that destroying it when it get, gets into play is one of the most effective things against it. But the problem is the cards that are good against it are... It's a very limited selection of what those cards are. You You're think restricted. that's true?
1: they're restrictive yeah, restricted 100% yeah. and the uh i just just thinking of a point the one thing that i will mention so typically uh when we when, when there's an artifact in the format that gets really prevalent and popular you want to go towards something like force of vigor that's always been the most ubiquitous answer to artifacts and champions. and uh it's not a great time to be playing force of vigor right now as we talked about earlier
0: yeah 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 it's unfortunate
1: Although okay. I guess you can set up Shadow Spear into Force of Figure.
0: Hey, there you go. If you're hardened scales, you can do that. So,
1: okay, all right, Rhino's new new plan. We're gonna cascade into Shadow Spear to turn on our Force of Figures postboard.
0: I love it. And you're gonna get you're gonna pitch all those cards to get rid of one one ring. Yeah. Turns out they just drew 15 against <laughs> you effectively instead of just five or whatever. Okay. The next way is to punish the opponent for the fact that is in play. This is generally, I think when you're thinking about countering somebody's cards that they have in their deck i feel like this is one of the least effective paths generally to like punish the opponent for having it because they're still getting the advantage that they wanted off of it and the main reason i put this on the list is because i think everybody's thinking about bow masters is a card yeah. that i know some people are believing is a good card against the one ring right now i see your face devin yeah it's describe I mean, your face for our listeners describe
1: it uh i don't i, I can't think of a good word to describe it but it uh, looks un- like you uneasy. just unwell. It looks like
0: you just tasted a lemon.
1: Yeah, maybe <laughs> that's well, Maybe what you, I got. Maybe I put lemon in my coffee this morning. I don't yeah.
0: Know. <laughs> Stan is bemused. I just don't think that these. You know, another card. He's just, yeah. just
1: stone faced. Yeah.
0: You know, maybe Blood Moon is another card that punishes an opponent for the way that they had to make their deck work for some for to make a payoff work. That doesn't apply to the One Ring either, because as we said, it's colorless. So, yeah, I don't know. This path feels
1: particularly ineffective against the One Ring to me. The only thing that I can really think of is like, and I I could envision a world where you, like they activate it once, maybe, maybe twice, hopefully not twice, but once or twice and you pithing needle it and then they have to like sit there with the ring and play with a counter or two on it taking damage, but that doesn't even work that well because... All of the ring decks, like even if they're drawing one, if they if they get two activations, then they're up three cards, and who cares? And they can probably find another answer to your needle, anyways. But they can also just play a new ring and keep the new one that doesn't have any counters on it, even though they can't activate it. They still, you know what I mean? So it's, I don't know. That's maybe not the best answer. Like you said, Bowmaster, maybe Narset Parter avails, but I don't. You know, it's we're getting into some deep territory at that point. Yeah,
0: I mean, I would. Sort of love to be in a moment where Narset is really good. Narset's a very cool card. It's very good in Legacy, as we know. But um, here, it's never quite found the same home in Modern uh, in the same way. And then the last thing is metagame against it. Like, pick a deck that is just be- better.
1: One more for number three. Does this sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read two words. Tell me if this does anything for you. Notion Thief. I i
0: swear i was just thinking about notion thief oh why oh, like when i was writing this up i was like notion thief is a card that does something and i know people play it in like weird weird like don't people play in legacy so- occasionally i, I know they so, play it in yeah. edh but i mean is this a, 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 like a four mana answer to a notion to someone's four mana permanent seems a little sketchy but i don't know <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, if they play it and, like, activate it immediately because they're incentivized to. Like, if they're playing the four-color deck, they're incentivized to activate it immediately to try and find a pitch card or something. Right. Um, or you just, like, you slam this. Or, or maybe you even hold the Notion Thief until the, the second activation so you can get, like, two cards out of it. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, also, like, it's hard to find a blue-black deck that wants a four-drop. So.
0: Yeah, exactly. And just so p- in case people have forgotten, uh, Dragon's Maze, all- All-Star, Notion Thief. Uh, it is a three-one for two generic blue-black with flash, and says an opponent would draw a card, except for the first one they draw in each of their draw steps. Instead, that player skips that draw, and you draw a card. So you can take their cards when they draw them. It keeps the ability; it's not a comes into play ability. So as long right. as it's in play, they can't activate the ring anymore, really, unless they want you to draw cards for some reason. But the um, you know, it's a three-one, so it dies. That's do a lot. Yeah. So, but there's there's probably I shouldn't maybe be dismissive of this category though because this the more that we talk about sideboard cards and permanents that people bring in against different matchups, the more I'm remembering, there's a lot of options for certain decks to bring in permanents that don't necessarily punish the opponent for having it in play, but they do make it not effective to have the ring in play. For example, you know, like you said even even Lavinia, if it only lasts for a minute and maybe it's not exactly the right card, it makes it harder for them to spend their mana. It makes it harder for them to, to take advantage of the card advantage that they've accrued. So there's probably some tools out there that people will start using to sideboard against the ring in a way that maybe works in this kind of hate bearers kind of way, which is, is almost what this category is, punishing people with one of my own permanents for the fact that their permanents play is kind of hate bearish.
1: Would you consider Karn in this category? Sort th- of because it's like it, think it's so. kind of like a needle yeah. type effect. Okay, yeah, because that's another good one that I think uh, is. Part of the reason why Tron is doing so well is because not only is Tron a good shell for Ring, but it's also a deck that's a good shell for Karn, and Karn yeah. is one of the most proactive answers because it's an answer that shuts down... The, the sick thing about Karn is it's similar to Needle. It shuts down the Ring, so they can't like draw a card if they immediately play the Ring, um, but it's, hard to answer, it's harder to answer than Needle, and it it's like a threat by itself. It provides you more advantage, provides you more threats, so uh, Karn's, Karn's a good one for this category.
0: Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's one that I had completely forgotten about, but it's so true. Okay, so maybe so maybe we're we're now we're kind of saying like hey, category 1 not great. Stopping it from getting play isn't great. Destroying it once it gets into play, yeah, you're going to need tools in the decks that you play to to destroy a ring once it gets into play. And decks that are able to field those well probably have a little bit of an advantage right now in the, the way the meta game is working. If you don't have ways to destroy it, you definitely need ways to make it less effective. I think Karn just kind of shot to the top of my list. There, as far as number one with a bullet for doing that in a way that's good and stays on your game plan. And Karn actually really leads you then to this fourth category that we were talking about, which is metagaming, selecting the right deck that takes advantage of what the ring causes in the metagame and maybe is just intrinsically good against the ring itself. You know, Tron becomes somewhere on that list right now just because of Karn, I think. Um, What other decks do you think are particularly effective against the game plan that the
1: ring offers? Is there anything else? It's tough to say because, like, you kind of have to be a deck that doesn't... it doesn't care about the protection elements. So like we talked about uh, different ways to win the game through the protection of, you know, Thassa's Oracle, culture familiar, stuff like that. So I guess you could maybe put like that as a category. You could say, you know, Tron is a good example of just going over the top, like not caring. I don't care how many cards you get off of this ring. I'm just going to cast, you know, uh, Ugin or Karn Liberated or Ulamog and all this stuff. Go over Um, the top. yeah, Yeah. Go over the top of the ring past that i mean it's tough because like if you try to go under the ring and kill them before they play it they have the halfling uh, they have the halfling to ramp in the ring uh you have some decks if you try to go like in the middle with scam I don't know, it's, it, it's really tough. You kind of you kind of just have to like super go over the top, I think, because I think it's a little too difficult to go under.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would, so definitely, Stan just asked in the chat, what about prowess, including Blood, Bone Crusher Giant as like a thing to do? I kind of feel like the ring is exactly the type of card that I do not want to race. try to race against because it will take away my payoff turn. Basically, like if they get a ring out on turn three, a lot of times on turn four, when they do the fog, I'm in trouble and playing a two mana answer to get around the fog is also a little problematic because it makes my mana constraint. I can't get as many spells off with prowess. I do wonder if there is a racing it kind of answer. Yeah, Stan is asking in the chat right now, Doesn't prowess also make it harder for them to draw too many cards since it hit since they have to pay life to do it? I think so. It puts them in some peril. The problem is if you're playing against Omnath, they're gonna they just gain the life back with Omnath anyway and omnath is a big stop sign for prowess. I kind of felt like looking at the way that these decks are turning out that I don't know if there's an option for racing it. On the Scam side, at least with Scam, if you are, you have Bowmaster, which is like a maybe a bad version of a punishing kind of permanent, but you do get to double, if you can luck into situations where you can double grief people, if you get the grief openings with Scam, that's pretty good good I think against this because you can take halfling you can take a piece of their removal you can also take a ring if they have it in their opening hand I do think that that can help you get in a spot where it's hard for them to catch up although they have so much creature removal that they can kill your you know your grief with a counter on it and stuff like that pretty quickly but I think that if you are taking two cards off the top it's maybe a little better than just thoughts using somebody
1: I actually, I just thought of something as uh, we were. I was, so I just uh, did a little bit of soul searching, and I was looking for cards that specifically cost one mana that says damage can't be prevented this turn. And there's actually kind of a couple here. So there's uh, Wild Slash, which is uh, one one red mana instant, deals two to any target. And if you can control a creature of power four or greater, which not that hard to do in prowess, um, then damage can't be prevented this turn. So that could be something. And then there's also Unstable Footing. Most people don't know this card, but it's a, a banger from OG Zendikar. It's a red instant, damage can't be prevented this turn, has kicker for three and a red. And if it was kicked, it deals five to target player probably not that great because they get protection but wild slash could be something where um similar to bone crusher giant you get through that one protection that one turn but at a lean a little bit of a a leaner mana cost Mm -hmm.
0: that's interesting definitely okay so fun diversion here i think about just kind of thinking about metagaming against a certain card i feel like this is a good a good framework to help think about it. Again, it's stop it from getting to play, destroy it once it gets into play, punish your opponent, or make it ineffective when it is in play, and then metagame the, take the advantage of the deck and the conditions in the metagame that that happens from it. I feel like we're kind of getting a conclusion that like it's not that great to stop the ring from getting into play because of the way the deck sets up and the tools that we have for it. Destroying it once it gets into play, it can be very good if you are in a deck that has Leyline Binding specifically. That's probably your best answer. After that, your best other answer might be a Saga Package with Haywire Might. And also, uh, after that, you're looking at maybe Cast into the Fire, which is okay, but not great. But maybe it's got some applications. That seems like the weakest answer there. So, category two is maybe a little bit fallback.
1: So, for number two, I guess the one pushback I would say is uh, Yawgmoth gets to play Court of Calling. So, they can even like main deck Haywire Might. So, that's another, that's like not just the saga decks, but also the decks that can play Court of Calling can also support Haywire Might.
0: Yeah, that's great. Great, and actually, they, there's a couple of other weird cards that they could consider too. Like there's a there's a card that also, I mean maybe Hairwire mights just the best one, but I know that there's a Changeling from um, Oh Vandal. Yeah. There's like Masked Vandal or whatever that exiles something and it costs two and then you don't have to pay an activation cost to go get it. So that that might be better too. It's at, or to use it. Uh, three, punishing the opponent for the fact that it is in play. That's where your Karn decks kind of come in. That's probably the best answer there. Maybe Bowmaster, though I still have my doubt. I still think Bowmaster is a very good card. I don't think it's good for that reason. And then four is metagame, pick the right deck, and all of this leads to that. So... It's
1: um, a good segment. I like that segment.
0: I think it's interesting to step, try to take a step back, because hopefully people can use a framework like this the next time a card like this comes up, and just try to find answers. This, you know, when this kind of stuff helps me brainstorm what answers are out there that we're not thinking about.
1: Right. Yeah, like so. that. You know that that thing that we that I just did where I went to Scryfall and just searched for damage can't be prevented, and we came up with uh, you know a couple more things. It's like there, there's a lot of weird things that you have to think about with cards like this, and like understanding how not only how the card specifically interacts with the rest of the format, but how the like the decks that are utilizing the card, also you know what their position is, and trying to figure out like okay, well how do I attack this card or how do I attack these decks? It's like, there's a lot, a lot to think about. So I, I like that segment. Awesome.
0: All right. Let's spend 15 minutes before we get out of here, talking about some of the decks that are existing outside of the ring. Does that sound okay to everybody? Devin? Good. Yeah. Stan, nodding,
1: <laughs> nodding. Thumbs, Thumbs up. up.
0: Okay. So decks that exist outside of the ring, essentially, and living, living in this world that the ring is setting up for them. I think the number one on everybody's list is, that we would love to talk about more. Stan has been playing perhaps next week once his voice is back, he can talk about it even more than we will right now. Living End is has gotten a ton of buzz and huge uh, upgrades based on this new set mm-hmm. in a really subtle way. And that's just because of the land cyclers that, you know, we kind of talked about a couple of different times. Some comments, you've got to love it when the comments are eternal playable.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's really, oh, go ahead. Well, it's so funny because we were talking, me and, uh, and Shane were talking about this last week. I actually think that even though like there's this huge presence of the ring and it's affecting so many different decks, I actually think that the land cyclers were the most impactful to their specific deck. Yeah, I think that's true.
0: I was, when I first saw the math on these things, Devin, I was like, we're playing 14 lands. Yeah. Like that is on. Un- Believable, Stan. I'm gonna ask for a thumbs up, or maybe even a yes/no, a a croaky yes/no, or good. How did how did you feel about having a very small number of lands in your deck? He said, "That's all you need. That's all you need. Never a problem." I mean, here's the crazy thing about the math, and I took people through this on Slack at one point in time. But if you do a hypergeometric calculation on what the draw, you know, what your how likely you are to get zero or one lands with a deck that only has 14. You, you're basically going to open with one or zero lands 50% of the time. And I think that you open with zero lands like 20% of the time, if I remember right. I don't have it in front of me right now. But you, you are set up to draw zero land hands a not insignificant amount of time. But Stan in the chat says you can still flood out if you open a one lander. You can still flood out if you open with a one-lander because you're drawing so many cards. So maybe that's, you just want a one-lander.
1: Well, I mean, you're like, okay, your hand could be like, let's say your hand is one land and then three ends, three Oliphants. Right. Are we keeping that? Maybe? I don't know. There's no See, the the problem with hands like that is like there's no Cascade spell and there's no actual cycler to draw into the Cascade spell. And that's like obviously an extreme circumstance, but...
0: Yeah, I can't imagine you keep exactly that. Stan's nodding his head yes. I think you would keep a a hand that was four and two regular cyclers maybe. Yeah. But yeah, but this card is, this has been huge for this deck. You know, there were 10 decks in the top 32s of challenges, and they are, you know, six of them had 14 lands and eight cyclers, two of them had 15 lands and six cyclers, and two of them had 16 lands and six cyclers it looks like to me from the, from the notes that we have right here. So 14 lands to eight full cyclers is the norm now. No troll generally, only Generous Ent and, and Oliphant is kind of where it's at. And the deck is just way more consistent.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the, the notes didn't have the Sunday challenge, so there's actually three more living in decks, which oh God, unironically more. enough puts it actually oh, the most played deck over the weekend over four color, which I was a little surprised by. Um, but yeah, wow. and then it, just looking at these, uh, these numbers here, we got looks like uh, 14 and eight... 14 and eight and 14 and or 15 and six. So two more 14 and eight. So yeah, it definitely seems like 14 lands, 18 cyclers is by far the go-to, uh, which kind of makes sense to me because just the, the best living ends are the ones where you go like turn one cycler, turn two double cycler. That's how you want to use your mana. Like the cycler into Waker of waves draws are good because Waker is a more impactful card on the battlefield than some of the other cyclers. But at the same time, like you're exposing yourself more to solitude. So by spreading out, you're giving yourself a lot more insurance against the solitudes and and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, it didn't really change the deck other than it made it way more consistent, which is huge. I'm not trying to say that that's not, (laughs) that's not a huge change of the deck, but it's not like a really, I don't think it's turned out to be a subtle thing. I think the big thing here is just, I can't believe how all in they are on this.
1: Yeah, well, like like you said, because of the added consistency in the higher percentage of the draws, like the where you go cycler into double cycler, that you can you you can afford to make your deck a lot more all in because you're consistently putting you know five creatures into play on turn three, whereas before, uh, maybe you go like cycler into waker, and then you're like, okay, do I want to put a seven seven and a four four into play? Is that good enough? Probably not, you know. So it's like you get to wait a little bit. So it's just you're making your turn three living in so much better.
0: Yeah, and of course as Spike mentioned before and you guys talked about last week, the Ant lets you be able to cast violent outburst and shard you know, through a blood moon, not shardless agent. I don't know, I almost said that, but it does let you get one of your cycler one of your cascaders off even if someone blood moons you. Not that we think that people are gonna be playing a ton of blood moon right now, because I think it's not super effective against the ring decks. So that might not even be a real
1: threat <laughs> to Living End at the moment, but maybe some of the living decks are, it some of the Living Index are playing their own blood moons.
0: Right, right. So what, what a world. I know. What a world. Okay, so Living End, I think, like, for fun, let's handicap pros trying to bring Living End to the Pro Tour. I think that this could easily be the second most brought deck to the, to the Pro Tour, even though I think pros like stuff that is not quite as... You know, it's funny, like, the breakdown, I feel like, in, in pro metagames, sometimes it's like, everybody's going to play the all-in deck, or nobody's going to play the all-in deck, even though mm-hmm. it gets a lot of play from you know large events with that aren't pro tour level let's let's say but i do feel like everybody could wake up and decide you know what we're not gonna we're not gonna met a game against ring we're just gonna try to be faster and living End is the best deck at being faster than than the ring
1: yeah i'm willing to definitely say that this will either be the first the the first or second uh first or second most represented deck at the pro tour i think that's that's pretty clear
0: interesting all right any other thoughts on living End? yeah i mean hey (laughs)
1: I, I kind of agree. No, that's all I got for a living. End. do we want to go to uh, maybe a little bit of a little scam action?
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. So I do have to announce here that I did get a five zero with scam this weekend uh, on the friendly cues, as I mentioned earlier, which, you know, clearly it is clearly a little bit easier than the competitive cues for sure. But um,
1: I wish I had some confetti to throw. I would just like throw confetti yeah. at the camera. <laughs>
0: Stan says, "Does it does a friendly five o even get you a free roll? Yes, it does. Um, you get to it's because since it only costs six tickets to get into it, you actually get like two and a half out of a five o with it, which is kind of nice. I think you get Big like 14, over you here. get like fourteen tickets. Yeah, that's me. That's me. You know, I just came home from vacation, Devin. I'm looking. I'm looking <laughs> no, at that no, bank no, no. account. And I'm going. I can't afford ten ten <laughs> tickets a league right now. You do not get QPs." is what's the stands next question. So if you're if you're trying to that's that's one of the main differences, I think, is you don't get QPs for that. So um, we're gonna do
1: the math. How many friendly five O's do we need to buy rings?
0: Uh minusing six every time we need what fifty or so? So that's if you if you lot. net twelve <laughs> Yeah. That's a lot. Fifty five O's. Who wants to do a trophy race with me in the friendly queues? Hit me up <laughs> on Twitter. As long as you're not uh aspiring Spike or somebody, you know who can also do it in the other one. Anyway, so Scam with Bowmasters. There's been a lot of people still playing Scam. You know, Young Dingo still kind of leading that charge. Although Young Dingo also lately has been doing a lot of playing with Four Color as well. And specifically, I think a lot of people think of Young Dingo as one of the first people that brought Nyssa from uh, Martian Machines, yeah. Aftermath, into that deck as well. But has been playing it with it again uh, a lot of different lists here with different amounts of things. I've seen no Bowmasters. I've seen four Bowmasters. I've seen three Bowmasters. Um, after the top, what are we looking at? June 24th. So about a week ago, mm-hmm. you know, young Dingo said top eight in the modern challenge with Bowmaster scam got taken down by Corey Baumeister. I believe that's when Corey was on the grinding ring list, which we didn't even talk about underworld breach with the ring, by the way, which I still think has got to fit and figure it in the metagame somewhere, but we'll say that for another day. Um, you know, then young Dingo says I was wrong about Bowmaster. It's good. Killed someone with Mount Dune too. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, anyway, what do we think about scam right now?
1: Uh, well, like I, I put a little bit of a note here. I don't know if it's like how good scam is or how unbelievable Dingo is at just playing magic in general. Cause I think he had like, I want to say he had like two top eights and a top 16 between last week and, and this week as well. Uh, he even had a list of scam that that did feature the one ring. We didn't put that in the ring segment because he did, I believe, mention that in his tweet. Uh, and he said that it was actually a mistake that he yeah. uh, that he played the ring. And then he ended up playing the good list the, the, the week, the day after in uh, Top 8 it. But yeah, this deck's great. I really do think that uh, Orcish Bowmaster, not only as we mentioned, as a good way, kind of a good-ish answer to the ring. Um, being able to take out stuff like, you know, opposing ragavans, ignoble hierarchs, all of that kind of stuff. I, I do think it is quite good. It's also pretty potent with feign death and malice. Like if they go to kill your thing, you get it back. You get to like amass the or me amass the orc again. Yeah. Um, yeah good. To, I like it a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing that's really interesting with it. Oh, Stan is saying that he played some scam as well. That's I haven't heard. I didn't realize that. So you're three two'd with a scam. Grief is still good. bowmaster's not bad. Unbearable to play, unbearable to play, and still runs out of gas. It's definitely a white knuckle experience sometimes because you you know you sh- you're kind of like I'm all in. I'm going to play five cards this turn, and if my opponent doesn't die as a result of this, then I am dead. Yep. Um, but I had some interesting moments. You know, I be in the league that I did. I played against Tron Tron, Blue White Control, Blue Tron, and then Hammer were the were the decks that I played against, and it was. Pretty good. I will. I mean, uh, weirdly, it felt like I was kind of always in the driver's seat against Tron, but that was generally because I managed to go faster than them. You know, when you're when someone goes turn one, Urza's is mine. And you are sitting on the opposite side of that on the draw and you're like, well, I can put fury into play this turn with feign death. I'm going to do it you have against to. those decks yeah. because, you know, sometimes they have uh, dismember, but a lot of times they don't these days. And so you, you have to go for it then. And so being able to close it out that fast is good. And then in game two, you have blood moon and you're going for it that way. That's fine. One of the best... I mean, I didn't get deep with Bowmasters. I only had two. I could only rent two. So I only had two in my deck. And I... um you know i didn't draw it a lot of times a lot of times i drew it it was just fine it was just like two two one ones and then maybe i get a ping off of it but i did really surprise a uh a tron player where they like they had a worm coil engine out and i was like oh how am i going to get around this and i thought they were going to block my countered up fury with it but instead they blocked ragavan with it and were like they were like i'm going to take a bunch of damage and i'm gonna um you know, they'll life. recover from the six they got from that and kind of, like, survive one more turn. So I, have like, flashed in Bowmasters and killed my own Ragavan mm. so they didn't gain any life, and then that just killed them. Which, you know, I felt I felt like a genius when that happens. But yeah. that, that was really the only time I actually got to use it, and it did something. I, I do think, though, when you think about Orcish Bowmasters, the more that I think about it, Scam benefits from having 24 creatures in it. I think it's just nice to have extra threats. And, like, what else am I going to play in this deck? <laughs> you know i'm gonna play am i gonna play blood tithe harvester like i remember that there was a list four or five months ago where um uh, i'm forgetting his name what's that yeah willie adle was playing a list with with uh or with a blood tithe harvester and i was like i don't even like that card in pioneer all that much so playing playing it here seemed out of nowhere so i i really like the fact that i just had an extra threat that has some extra value with it and that's just kind of all that
1: it is and that that's fine um yeah i think if you look at the like the dingo list i think a, what a lot of time is what dingo's cutting is the one minute removal so you see no copies of bolt no copies of uh fatal push and that's what looks like that appears to be what is being swapped out for bow masters like Ding, like i'm looking at dingo's latest list from the i think this is the saturday night challenge and there is four bow masters terminate no bolt no fatal push so keep that in mind
0: yeah which is kind of interesting that yeah the, the list that i played had one fatal push and three lightning bolts in it still and had a croxa as well so i think what was cut out of here was like i didn't have any i didn't have any main deck blood moons and i had less lands actually it looks like no yeah i'm I'm not sure but I, i i the list that i had had some space for lightning bolt in it still which is you know hard to get over
1: yeah i'm trying to find the other list yeah, it looks like, okay, from his, so his other list, oh my god, he's got two, yeah, two lists this weekend. The other list, well, that's the list with the ring, so there's four Bowmaster, three ring, again, no, no bolt, no, no push, one so... Yeah, Yeah. looks like we're going. We're on four terminate, and I wonder if that's just a a product of like you don't expect a lot of hammer time given the presence of opposing rings because hammer time is not great into ring. It's really not a good time to be playing hammer time right now. Yeah, uptick of four color, uptick of the rings. So maybe that's like a a concession where you can be like, okay, well if nobody's playing hammer, I can afford to cut the one minute removal. Yeah, but. At any rate, I mean, it's
0: interesting to see bowmasters show up in like Grix's Death Shadow too. Like, I think one of the challenges, the six thirty challenge, I think was won by Grix's yep. Death Shadow, or which is Grix's Death Shadow, just like you might have mentioned, might imagine it with bowmasters instead of Ledger Shredder, which actually seems like a totally possible thing as well. Stan is asking, is the is Hammer the biggest loser in the LOTR meta? I think Hammer was already on the wane a little bit, and yeah, I think this probably just pushed it even further just because of how bad it is against Ring Triggers.
1: My 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 take is actually uh, a deck that, I don't know how we've gotten through this entire podcast and haven't mentioned this one deck, but uh, where the heck is creativity? That was just the best deck in the format three weeks ago, and it's essentially vanished from, from entirety. And I think part of that is, one, it is arguably the only deck that realistically cannot play the ring, given that it's deck constraints, you know, creativity if you put creativity into the ring. Uh, so please don't do that. Don't put creativity in your or ring in your creativity decks. Please don't do that. Because you don't get the trigger. Well, I mean, mean you would rather just creativity narcon on right
0: yes although i did see one that had one as a one of <laughs> i was i found it <laughs> just intriguing the, but maybe i'm maybe i'm crazy <laughs> um i will They're- tell you Devin, now shane will not hear this before he gets here but i did sleeve up creativity to play against shane and i did throw my one copy of the ring in my creativity deck to see what oh, happens no. but boy it sounds bad when you talk about it yeah right now yeah,
1: because, yeah, well, that's the thing, right? You, you, if you creativity for two, you're like, well, maybe I'll hit an Archon and a ring, and I want to hit two Archons. But, uh, yeah. And then the other thing is, specifically, the Archon of Cruelty trigger is really bad against a ring protection. So, like, the natural curve of if you have the ring player on the play, and they play turn four ring, and the creativity players are, like, looking at their hand, like, normally they would want to go for creativity here, but if you put a six, six into play, it just doesn't do anything because they have protection for a turn. So right. yeah, it's just, it's, I, I really think that creativity is like, I'm not going to say non-existing because people are still playing it, but I think that's the biggest loser for sure. Interesting.
0: All right. It has, it has made it to the top eights of a few challenges It has re- yeah. over the weekend as well. So I guess we'll be curious to see where it goes from there. I noticed by the way, since we're talking about creativity for a second, that reprieve is showing up in those lists as well as a way to get around the uncounterable, thing from um from i assume from delighted halfling also that's why it's better than remand but we'll see it's not like the most effective thing in the world always to do that right all right then the last deck that we have hinted about a little bit is samwise combo Mm -hmm. what do you what do we all think about Samwise? so you played it some this week
1: Played a little bit uh i played yeah i played a, a little bit a couple of different lists one that was more food centric and one that was more uh, combo centric with like quarter calling and uh, collecting company. I think I like the combo version a little bit more, specifically because you have the just kind of the ability to cocoa it, it into an instant speed win. If you cocoa into like, you know, say you have a cauldron familiar and you cocoa into sample, sack outlet, or you have a sample and you cocoa into cauldron familiar, sack outlet, so on and so forth. Um, And I think the biggest advantage of this deck over specifically Yawgmoth is Yawgmoth can't really afford to play Collected Company because Yawgmoth is a card that you can't hit off of Coco, but all of this deck's combo pieces can be hit off Coco in addition to Grist. So I think that's a that's like a a significant upgrade to or why you would want to choose this over something like Yawgmoth.
0: Why it's worth giving it a shot. Yeah, don't don't email us Yawgmoth (laughs) crew. We know you're out there. It's not like it's bad. It's it's actually might be Different. a fact that's done okay in this meta, right? Yawgmoth was yeah. it bad against the ring?
1: <sighs> okay, here here's the thing, okay. I, can we really call it Yawgmoth anymore if there are four bowmasters and four rings because at that point it's kind of like this you know when when elves and legacies started like cutting down in the elves it's no really it's no longer an Elves deck it's like a mid midrange deck. Mm-hmm. I don't know I mean there's still yagmasth but like there's no strangle Geist, at least the, the Zerkless that won the challenge that had rings and, and bowmasters so I don't know we, we gotta get into some debates about that. <laughs>
0: How many ring midrange decks can we create? Next yeah. week on the Dive Down, we got red-green, we got four-color, we got black-green, we got, uh, where's Jund? I heard Shane talking about Jund last week, and I was like, Jund Saga, you can search up answers to the ring, but.
1: Speaking of Jund, did you see that there was, uh, w- this is, we're going on a tangent here, but there was a Jund list uh, that top-aided, it was like literal boomer Jund, no sagas, just, uh, let me see if I can find that, I didn't put it in the notes, but I'm going to put it in the chat real quick. Okay. There. I didn't put it in the notes but yeah just like actual boomer John no sagas we got Ragavans, Tarmagoev season pyromancers Furies shieldreds Ren and six Lily out of the veil vale, I mean Bells. shieldred
0: versus the ring is certainly yeah a thing yeah, right that is like but bo- if is not enough what we're also gonna do is we're gonna make you take <laughs> two damage every time but I I will say like I cited uh shieldred in from the sideboard of scam multiple times when i was playing that league and it actually helped a a number of times for people who were doing card advantage things against me again not the ring itself but like take four damage off of the ring and then take two more during your upkeep it's not the easiest thing in the world to get around right but yeah this deck is wild why Stan, Stan how? says
1: uh, how much how much does playing the wondering change your advantage bar? Man, I cannot. I really really hope because I, I, I don't remember I don't have we had advantage bars from the last two PT coverages. I can't remember. I really I don't really so. hope they bring it back for this PT. Watsi, if you're listening, please give us the advantage bar. We need it. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right, and with that, I think that that's the way to wrap up this week's show.
1: Of, the advantage of- bar.
0: A, a, a plea, a genuine plea to bring back the advantage bar so we can see how much you change it when someone plays the one ring. Uh, I think Modern's in an interesting place. I think a lot of people think it's kind of monotonous right now. But this happens. It's new, at least for a minute. And let's let's see what happens for a little bit. I, I still believe that there's some kind of tech that's going to come and unlock that kind of good matchup matrix for deck against decks that play the ring there's some deck out there that's just absolutely demolishes decks that rely on the the ring but we'll see maybe not but tune in next week to find out And if you haven't yet make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out and if you use apple Podcasts, please please leave us a rating and review and please go check out our patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down or our store the dive down.com slash store. If you'd like to submit a question or reach out, you can also tweet at us at the dive down, all one word or email the dive down at gmail.com special shout out to producer Stan this week for staying on this call the whole time and <laughs> lending his energy, if not his voice directly to the show and Devin, of course, for joining us again. Also, shout out to Traders for sponsoring the Dive Down. Sign up for Traders using promo code The Down 2023, all one word, for 10% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. Also, get some amazing shave soaps, body f- soaps, fragrances, and more at Man using Dive Down M23 for 15% off your first order. Save money on paper cards over at Nerd Rage Gaming with code Dive Eight for 8% off your order, and then. As always, thanks to the bands Knower and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and tap a ring.